the optimal life. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How you been? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, man. I appreciate being here. How's Corona treated uh, treated you throughout this whole process? I mean, like, like when I I was thinking about you um, over the last several months leading up to the draft, and I was just wondering, like, what did what impact had Corona had on like the pre-draft process? Yeah, I mean, honestly, in the agent world, especially with the NFL, and I'm sure with other sports, it's different, but. With the NFL, it may be the one thing that seems almost insulated from from coronavirus. I mean, we've had the off season has gone on, you know, with with basketball and and baseball getting canceled and all these things. In the NFL, it was the off season, so there's some differences for players. But we went through free agency in March. Player contracts still getting signed, all the negotiations still happening. Then we roll into the draft, and although workouts were canceled and pro days were canceled the draft still happened this past weekend all same thing as usual so you know we're able to do business as usual and you know for us it's been both a blessing and a curse i think it's kind of hard to be working sort of in this environment um you know kids at home everyone around but at the same point it's nice to be able to have that normalcy of business you know yeah yeah so so there was so there were, the, it was kind of a, a hybrid of a pre-draft process. Some things were the same and some things were different, it sounds like. Right, right. So, so you know, you had the All-Star Games in January. Yeah. You had the Combine in February, at the end of February. Um, and then you started to have some pro days that started around a week into the month, right, uh, into March. And then when this whole thing sort of came down like I remember you know I think we all kind of remember where we were when they canceled the NBA season you know and it was all going down and um, Rudy Gobert you know on, on the <laughs> yeah, jazz and yeah, us yeah. had it and it was like oh my god and then did you see him at the, at the press conference like a day or two before yeah right acting I mean, like a fool like touching everything being real <laughs> sarcastic the, the stupid jokes you regret later yeah. right not funny <laughs> yeah but, but right think about like yeah. that was probably around like March 12th or 13th so at that point there was most of the pro days probably 80-90% of the pro days hadn't happened yet a couple of the pro days still went off that week Um, I had a player at Oklahoma State and their pro day was on uh, on the 14th and that happened and that was probably that March 14th was probably the last day that there were pro days Okay. Um, so the majority of players didn't have pro days and you know a lot of players go to the combine and for whatever reason, you know, they don't work out. Well, just to give people right an understanding, fit, they were up. just to give people but, an understanding, most pro days usually go what, like uh, through early April. Yeah, I'd say through the first week of April, and then yeah. and then of course, and then in addition to the pro days, you have teams coming to the school and you know what we'd all call private workouts where they visit with the player, and then you have the visits that the players go on to the teams, which is a big deal too, if you recall. I mean, when a team brings that player in for a visit. They can only bring in 30 guys, but, you know, with 32 teams, you got, you know, the best players and the players that the teams need to get more info on yes. medically, you know, they can't do that. So, it, yeah, you said it right. It was sort of like a hybrid. Like some guys, some guys got their pro day in. Some days even got a couple, got a couple visits to teams in, but most guys didn't. And, you know, I, I saw some numbers yesterday um, that were very telling. I mean, I saw two players from the MAC were drafted. One was a kicker. Um, I'm looking at smaller schools, and I'm like, wow. You knew in theory it would hurt the guys that 
the smaller guys, the guys that needed that pro day to kind of, you know, show themselves or test really well or get on the radar. And really, that's exactly who ended up being hurt by it. It was the smaller school guys, the non-combine invites, you know, the guys wow. that said, I mean, I need that pro day and sort of that, that March and April push, which we've all seen really help certain guys. They didn't have it. Dude, so there were only two players from the MAC in total that were drafted? Yeah, for the Mid-American Conference. I just saw that as, yeah. And That's I, astonishing. And I kept thinking, you know, it wasn't a huge year prospect-wise. You know, like Akron, Kent State, Toledo, Bowling Green. None of them, you know, were, were, were stock full of, you know, NFL prospects. But these guys, there's usually, there's usually at least 10 or 12. They get drafted. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, it's very different. And I and I didn't really think about it till afterwards. I didn't recruit any of those guys. But at the same point, you start to look at the numbers from, you know, the draftees from the Power Five conferences and the bigger schools compared to the smaller. And I, I know exactly how it, how it went down. I mean, just for certain guys, I had a player this year from Utah State, um, couldn't work out at the Combine, wasn't, you know, wasn't, wasn't able to physically at that point. His pro day is at the end of March, so he doesn't have it. He has no visits to teams. He has no private workouts. And, you know, That's a guy it. like that, That's he it. needed the test. Yeah, he's yeah toast. No, he's in camp, and he'll be fine. He's a great kid and player, but he wasn't going to get drafted without those things. Wow. Well, it yeah. goes to show you those things do matter. They don't do them for, no, for nothing. And on the, flip side, on the flip side, maybe you can argue that, you know, the draft still went on, the team still got their information, they just drafted maybe on different criteria, you know. Maybe they maybe they had to wait though the game film more, right? Like the interviews at the combine, the All Star games. So they still had a lot to go off of. But, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's different. Well, it's different. And you made a point earlier too, which I think a lot of people don't even realize. Those team visits where they're allowed to bring in up to thirty players, and typically they're bringing in first, second round caliber guys for that. Um, that's really where your the difference between maybe being the first overall pick and the tenth overall pick happens, right? And, and also think about when teams bring in guys that were non combine invites. They use their visits, like they use those thirty visits on those first second rounders, which definitely affect that area. You're right, but also those late rounders that didn't get the medical at the combine. Um, you know, and the only way you're going to get drafted if you're not at the combine, if a team doesn't have a medical. You know, and especially if there's medical questions on a particular player, if they can't get that, they're not drafting it. True. No way. True. And and so those guys got hurt. And if, you know, you got kind of think back to you know Sama Youngs and guys like that when we worked together. Mm-hmm. Like, how would he have gotten drafted? No pro day, no visits, no way. Well, think about that. That could if Usama Young there, and there were probably some of those guys this year that could have mm-hmm. been third, fourth round picks. Right. That, that right. ultimately that don't even get drafted. Being, he ends up being the second pick of the third round, plays in the league for eight years. He may never get in the league in this particular year. We, we, we love number six, uh, the sixty-six draft spot was <laughs> yeah. our was our number, man. We had you we had that at players rep like three or four, what three out of four years we had it, something yeah, like that. Yeah, we we had that pick uh, three years <laughs> three years in a row together. Right? Was it three years what, in a row? Can you name Can you name the three? Go. Osama Young was number one. Uh-huh. Number two was uh, Bradley Fletcher. Correct. And uh, Amari Spavay. There you go. Yeah. Who I, who yes. I have spoken to somewhere wow. recently, by the way. Did you? Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. What's I mean, he some doing? Other, some other fine names from the past. You know, uh, Coach Larry Grant. I yeah. Said, I don't know if you're still in touch with him, but I, uh, you know, talked to him a little bit here and there. So, nice. yeah. Kind of good stuff. What's, good what, who'd you speak to? Fletcher or uh, Spavay? Uh, Spavay. Oh, yeah. What is he doing these days? 
he's got he's got some different stuff going on. Uh, was looking to get back in coaching. Was looking to do some stuff in business. But uh, yeah, he seems like he's seems like he's doing pretty well. It's just so funny. I mean, this this brings me back when you think about what it takes to uh, be a successful agent. And this is true in pretty much any sales industry as well. Mm-hmm. The different levels of personalities that you have to deal with, because each kid is his own man. And when you're going and recruiting these guys, what makes one guy tick might turn somebody else off and vice versa. Yeah. I remember when we met Spivey the first time, we were like, we weren't sure what to make of it. He was so quiet. He was withdrawn. And, yeah, uh, I mean, it, it was, I, it, right? I mean, I'm sure you remember it like I do. Like, just kind of, we leave the meeting like, God, he just stared at us. He didn't <laughs> say anything. Like, you know, and you get yeah. that a lot, you know. And I think some guys may not be like that, but it's just how they're handling the process. They meet with so many agents, and you know, they don't want to give anything away. And yeah. then, you know, you meet with other guys, and they're more open, and they're talkative, and they give you sort of that, and again, any sales business, you kind of get that instant feedback, and you leave, and it can go either way. Sometimes guys are, you, you feel great when you leave, and but they probably made, the, the 20 agents that were in there before you over the last month, they, they probably all felt great too. Yes. You know? Yeah, and, and again, the, these guys, yeah, they, these so kids different. are... They are skeptical too because they're getting yeah. calls from. They don't know who Andy and Nate are, or Andy and right. Leslie, or whoever whoever you're showing up with these days. They don't know who you guys are. Now, listen, right. you definitely have more of a reputation now, I'd imagine, than you've ever had. So things have gotten easier over time, but still, these guys are getting calls from all the big dogs, right? I mean, yeah. you're still dealing with the same thing. The the, the, the cycle same, hasn't changed. Same thing, same thing, and I don't even know if it's easier. I mean, you'd like to think that the more success you have, the more it builds on itself. But I don't, I don't walk into any room ever much different than I did. Maybe we had more of an underdog mentality, like when we worked together, mm-hmm. and it served us. That served us really well. It did. Um, it did. It was but, like it was like us against the world. It, remember that? Yeah, it really and, was. And, and I think it worked. I think anytime you're listen, it, the, the competitiveness of our business. I mean, it has to bring that out in you because if you're not ready to, if you're not ready to compete. And, and do what it takes to get clients and work your ass off, you're not going to make it. And I get true in any business. Um, and that definitely served us well. Now, bigger client list, more early round picks. But guess, guess what? You're still, competing with, you're, you're still competing with the top 10 and 20 firms every time. Yes. And, you know, so that never changes. And it doesn't really get easier. But, but you're totally right. I mean, the, the recruiting, whether it's for, of veterans or whether it's of, you know, potential draft picks, You've, you've, you're dealing with so many different personalities from so many different backgrounds, and well, it, it never works the same. The same thing, you're never perceived the same way, right? Uh, you know, this, the next time, it's just depends who the person is and how you walk in the room and who they've met with and what they've done before that. It's it's you never know what you're going to get. So you've been with uh, Young Money now for what has it been like two years? Um, this was our third draft. This so yes, it's draft. been uh, about two and a half wow. years. But yeah, this was our third draft. So how's everything going? Uh, what what have you guys seen? Has the business continued to grow uh, in terms of new clients? And, and how was the draft this year for you guys? Yeah, the, no, I appreciate you asking. No, the, the draft um, the draft was good. We had five draft picks this year. I think last year we had six. Uh, the year before that, six. Uh, numbers wise, I think our our goal. I mean, I'm I'm more firm on this than ever. It's um, and it's not a sales pitch when I say it because this is what we we live by. This is. It's got to be quality. I mean, you go through the draft and, you know, it, it's so hard. It's so hard, especially when you get to rounds four through seven. And mm-hmm. it, 
we lose money in the draft. I mean, as agents, we lose money in the draft. And you, you saw that when you were in the business, and it's only been exacerbated since then. You know, the, the, the commissions have gone down, the expenses have continued to rise. So we're trying to be super selective. So we had we had uh, the tenth pick overall this year. Nice the Browns. Nice. Um, oh, really? We had, uh, we had Yitor Gross Matos, who's a DN from Penn State. Wait, he real quick, up, brother. Uh, real quick, you had the Cleveland Browns first round pick. Yeah, dude, yeah, that did. is awesome. We I did. had no um, idea. Yeah, one one of the other agents at our firm uh, represents him, so I don't I don't handle it personally. But yeah, that was great for us. That's um, huge. That's beautiful. Yeah, and we had it. So we had an early second round pick from Penn State. Then we had the quarterback from Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts, in the second round. You know, I expect um, that Brown's got to be on the podcast now that I have a connection to him. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm sure we can <laughs> that's all I care about. But it was a, it was a good draft, and and honestly, having five picks and you know four went in the top three rounds. That's that's, that's huge. really that's beautiful for us. It's um, people don't yeah, understand gonna... Andy because it sounds easy from the outside, of course, like anything. But yeah. I mean, what is there about eight or nine hundred registered agents still today? Yeah. Yeah. Right around. So there. so you've got you've got. 300 draft picks. Well, how many picks are there in the draft? Two, two, 255. 250, 255. Yep. You've got 255 picks, of which the top 10% firms are probably still representing at least half the draft, I, I would imagine. I would say that's probably very close to give accurate. Or, give, yeah. or, give or take. So you've got about 130 picks left for the remaining, I don't know, 700 agents, 750 yeah. agents. So just do the math. It, it doesn't work out well for people. Most people have it, zero draft picks. It's a competitive industry. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. It's it's it, it really it doesn't get easy to pick up players. And then at the same point, I try to think about we don't just two hundred fifty five draft picks. The flip side of that is we just want four or five. You know, yes. it, even if it's two or three, like quality. Like we don't need a huge piece of the pie to be successful. And so we just you have to recruit smart. You have to look for the right kind of guys. And I think that's more and more the case is to doing your homework on the players and what they're like and the character because it's all about finding the long-term fit and it's it's hard to do that when you're recruiting because we, as we both mentioned like guys can be withdrawn they're interviewing you but we've got to be interviewing them just the same it's got to work both ways absolutely so what have you seen from young money what what kind of um resources what's given you guys a competitive advantage over the last several years yeah, I think I think um, number one is is the the client list. I mean, not even getting into what Young Money provides for us, but just as we continue to grow, and, and this was true as players rep too. I mean, you know, we, we we took our client list there, which was predominantly, but that was our client list to start at Young Money. But what what we're getting with the move and what we've gotten with the move is is it's it's a more it's a more known brand. You know, nobody nobody knew the name players rep. Um, you know, or, or company X or Y, but you know, most guys were recruiting, yeah. no young money. And so we, and, and as when we first started, I think that was both a, a pro and a con, you know, it's like, oh, that's great. You're young money. That's, that's cool. But it's a rap firm. We don't need to be represented by little Wayne. So I think it's once they realized, once players in the industry started realizing it's not little Wayne that's representing these guys, it's an established company and yeah. agents. So that took a little bit of time to sort of, you know, get past it. But now that we've had that, um, you know, we've had we, we've had now what three first round picks in the last two years. So we continue to build on that success, and I think it, it's easier to build on a brand and the name of Young Money. And in our business, the the off the field and the ability to generate income from a marketing standpoint um, 
and having a little bit of clout with that area, that's that's a that's a big part of what helps us. So it's it's the brand, it's the success of Young Money, it's that association that we have as a football agency with the bigger entertainment brand. And people want to be part of success, you know, and, and yes. you know that. Like they want to be part of that, and they're like, all right, well, not only is Young Money successful, you know, you know Drake and Nicki Minaj, Wayne, like this is a it's a known brand, but now. Oh, now they got now they got Quentin Williams. They did extensions for Tyler Boyd and Darren Waller and Lane Johnson and Devin McCourty. Like it just begins to like it starts to sort of take that form of oh this is this firm is this firm is really successful. They're at the top of their game. Right. It becomes hard to beat us with that. So we we do have that. We have, we're just trying to build a strong brand, keep getting better, keep getting better clients, doing better work. Um, yeah, Tyler Boyd was a receiver at Pitt. Is that that? Correct. Okay. Correct. So, right. uh, and what team's he on? He's with the Bengals. Um, right. So right. we, so he switched over to us right after we we uh, became Young Money, um, and so he'd been with us for a couple years, and he's now going into year five. But as he was going into year four a year ago, we did an extension on his contract, and I think it was. Was four years, forty-three million uh, on the deal. But guys yes. like that, it's 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 not so much the draft that defines us. Yeah, it's the contracts we're doing. I mean, that's 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 what propels the business. I mean, the draft is for optics is important. People always ask who the draft, who'd you have drafted? I, I, you know, I think it's important way to build, and you want to do a good job for those guys. But our business is really predicated on the longevity of players, the, yeah. the contracts we negotiate. Right? I mean, that's what we are. We're right. you know we. We're contract negotiators. We're attorneys. Like this is what this is really where what our draw has become is guys that are looking for uh, who can make me the most money, who puts me in the best business position, who can help my family the most, and that's where we're starting to win more and more. And I know that's when we need that's where we need to continue to win because that's that's where we build. Well, the draft is the sizzle, and the free agency and career stuff is the stake. And the money, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's really what it is. I mean. The draft, like you said, is optics. Again, last year had to be really neat, though, because you were at the draft last year. Yeah, yeah, first time. First, first time. First time I ever yeah. went to the draft. And, right, right, 20, you know, that was my 23rd draft. I'd and, dude, we used to out. talk about that, too. We used to talk yeah, about that really, all the time. when we started working together, that's about when they started inviting guys to the draft. So it yeah. wasn't like a, you know, wasn't a common thing. And, and then, you know, you started probably getting to like that everyone kind of remembers like the Aaron Rodgers sitting in there yeah. you know with his head down sliding to, and, you know, he slid all the way to what 24 it wasn't like that big a deal but but that was like the storyline but at that point there might have been 8 to 10 guys invited to the draft um, who did you have year, last year last year we had, we had Quinn and Williams who went number 3 right. and we had DeAndre Baker who went number 30 and, so and that, was, that is unbelievable was, that is yeah, unbelievable it was really I gotta tell you and, and it doesn't matter how long you're in the business. It, it, it was really, for me, it was really a very cool thing to be a part of, and you know, just just sort of seeing how it all worked, and, and obviously being with your player when they get selected, which doesn't happen very often in our business. You're not usually with them. You're you know, you're at home. You're with the phone. You know, tracking yeah. the draft. But being there, and especially at pick thirty, that one was you know was DeAndre Baker. He went to the Giants, and every indication, you know, we. We got invited to the draft back in you know February. He was a he was a, one of the top corners, but you know sort of a, an average combine and things came out through the process and he just by the time we rolled into Nashville last year, we were sure we weren't going in the first round, mm-hmm. but we were still there and and so I think with twenty three guys there, you know that 
there's going to be guys that, that are sitting in the green room after the first round is over. And, and we were sure that was going to be us. Yeah, and, and, and just for people that don't understand, that means that now they have to wait 24 more hours for correct, round two correct, to begin. Right. Yes. right, and so you have a decision. So, so really all week we're saying, okay, what are we going to do? You know, assuming we're not picked in round one, are we going to go home? Are we going to be one of those couple guys that just stay there and oh, still walk out, even God. though it's the second round? You know, as an agent, it's it's like a that is a stressful thought, time. Right? That is a stressful it's period. Awful, right? yeah. and, and, and miraculously, <laughs> he he was picked at number thirty, and you know, just the the emotions and like everything that goes on with that when you're with you know fifteen people from the family and. We had a post party all set up, and again, this is what young money can do. Like we had a whole, we had a whole thing set up with you know with music and open bar, and you know hundreds of people set up afterwards. And now we have real reason to party. Both the guys and their families are there. It was just a, you That's know, awesome. being at the being at the draft was it was a very cool experience. And I would have been there this year in Vegas, um, but um, instead sitting in my living room. So. So what was the what was the weekend like for you? It was just the pretty much business as usual this past weekend. Um, I mean, I don't know if I showered over the weekend. I just <laughs> sat in my you know the visuals. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I was at home. I mean, just just ready to. I saw a picture. I saw a picture of you uh, watching. <laughs> I re- I had some flashbacks, was I man. Was I Dude, I'll never forget. I'll never forget <laughs> the, my first experience ever with you watching the draft uh, second round. Day two, right? Or was mm-hmm. the second round day one at that point still? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, they did the first and second round. I almost together. feel like it was. I almost feel like it was the same night. That first night. I think it was. Are you talking about the Ron Brace? Draft? Yeah, the Brace and Cody Brown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they were. They did. I think they did was... rounds one through three together. In fact, Bradley Fletcher was the third guy drafted that year yeah. after Brace and Cody Brown. And yeah, it was the first through third rounds together on the same day. Dude, I'll never forget that. When we heard his name, mm-hmm. it was absolutely insane. Actually, no, I think Cody, I think the draft ended because I remember we were like getting so nervous and then Cody got drafted the second last pick of the you're second right. round. You're right. They did the first and second rounds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Because remember, I, on the Cody Brown part, you, you can you can kind of hear in the background what they're saying. So the guys on ESPN are talking. You're like, I think I heard his name. And I, I said to you, I said, I think I just heard yeah. Cody Brown. I think they just yeah. said it on the microphone. And then it comes up on the screen two seconds later, Cody Brown's draft. I mean, dude, that, those feelings, that is such an indescribable feeling. That is I gotta such tell you, a, it, a that's moment. The one thing, that's the one thing that has never changed since I was 23 years old in this thing yeah. is that when the player's name when they get picked it doesn't matter whether it's a 7th rounder or 1st rounder it is I, I don't know why I've thought about this so many times it never changes like it's such an amazing feeling and even when you've done it before like I guess I guess the part of it is is that you know for these guys it's a lifelong dream but also for us we're recruiting these guys all through the fall if not longer yeah. and then you're and then you got January through April. You're you're living this with them for several months straight, and you know it's the only thing that matters to them. It's, it's everything to them and their family. And then when it happens, it's like this culmination of like you know all this exactly what they want. You've got it. it it's so emotional. It, it is. It's, it's hard to describe. Indescribable. It, it, what yeah. it is is that you are a part of somebody of these guys. Arguably the best moment of their life to date. I mean, you are a part of it, integral part of what has become now probably the most exciting moment that they've ever felt in their first 21 or 22 years of life, whatever it is. 
Yeah. And uh, and it's not like the the process is a week or too long. To your point, I mean, this goes back to this goes back to the summer before they even graduate, or you know, before That's their right. season's over. Right. Right. Yeah, it's a long process. And I, I I try to prep all the all of our clients before, and like this will be the worst time of your life this weekend waiting to get picked it is the worst it is the most agonizing i mean minus the number one pick of the draft it is so hard sitting there knowing you have no control over what happens and of course we've lived so many times where guys you know they, they go 10 picks later than you hoped around 50 60 70 picks and, but that could be three four hours of difference or yeah. in many cases or going to bed at night knowing oh my god it didn't happen you know and Absolutely. then the picks keep coming and it is the worst of times up until that phone call then it becomes the best of times and yeah. all of that anxiety and and the, the the worry everything just drips right off and it's over with that phone call and i think maybe that's like what does it it's just that the coolest feeling for for everyone involved like this is it, it just happened it didn't matter all of the other stuff ahead of it none of it mattered yeah it's it's impossible to explain unless you go through it because right. it sounds, it sounds people kind of understand, but the, the the riveting feeling it's impossible to explain. I've never felt that before in terms of like a business thing. Even yeah, still to this day, I've never felt that kind of excitement. Even when we finish a contract, you're like, okay, I mean, it's it's it's, and that's everything, you know. Or a player, you know, something gets a cool marketing deal, and you get, it. but nothing, nothing compares to the draft. Yeah, nothing compares to the draft. Nothing. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, just, it's not about it's the not, money. It's not a financial thing. Correct. In most cases. Correct. It's, it's just, about, uh, you know, yeah. it's just such a cool thing to be a part of. Yeah, it really is. So, uh, looking into your crystal ball with this corona and all this craziness, hopefully things start coming back to normal in the next thirty days or so. But uh, what what are they talking about for for camps and all that season? Yeah. So, What's so the biggest on? change right now is uh, the players would be in the off season training program where they would have reported mid April and they'd be there for nine weeks. So that right now is 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 all sort. Of, it's not totally canceled. I mean, obviously, no one could be at a at an NFL facility. Um, barring a few exceptions for guys rehabbing from injuries that are allowed to be there, um, so the uh, they're doing virtual off-season programs. They got the players. Um, each team is allowed to make that decision on how they handle that. Whether they're they're doing classroom work, um, you know, virtually, or they're, they have to do specific uh, workouts in the weight room that they have to send in to the team. But so every team has the ability to sort of make some decisions there what they want to do. But. Um, you know, the first time a lot of these guys, draft picks, undrafted, are going to meet their coaches or go to a practice will be training camp. Now, to your question, like, when's that going to be? I mean, nobody knows, right? I mean, we're all hoping that, you know, come, you know, come August 1st, end of July, you know, these guys can report to camp. But obviously there's a pretty strong school of thought that that may, not, may or may not happen at this point. So, yeah, none of us know. We're all kind of... Uh, all kind of in the same boat, just waiting to see what 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 this thing looks like in, in the next month or two months. Wow, because they're talking about. I mean, is there a chance? Is there a chance that they would play a season without fans in the stands? I mean, is there? A... I think all options are possible. Yes, I think that's possible. I think a shortened season is possible. I think no season is possible. But I think the NFL and these owners and everyone involved everyone wants it to go obviously there's so much money at stake oh but think gosh. about this though and I, I don't know the full business i don't so i'm not i want to speak out of turn or anything but i know that in the nfl the the tv contract that is such a huge part of this thing whereas 
Major League Baseball and other sports, the gate receipts and the actual attendance of the games is so is a much bigger part of the overall um, gross revenue, right? So in football, you can while it would certainly hurt revenue to not have those eight games at home, I think that if it was being televised and you were still getting as much out of that as possible, I think there's probably a way that it would still make sense to do that, yes. Sure, sure that does yeah. make sense. Yeah, it's crazy times, man. It's been the strangest year, I'm sure, of anybody's life. Um, but I can't imagine what that would do financially to everybody involved, from from owner all the way down to the people working at the stadiums and everyone in between. You guys, you, you guys as an agent, affected. you get everybody's no, no, affected, no. I mean, if, if there's no season, that nobody's making money, correct? The players aren't getting so paid. many people. Yeah, and I, that that raises so many good questions. Like, you know, again not to take anything away from from people working at the games and people working with the teams and you know people working with tv camera crews like there's so many people affected when businesses cancel but you know from my end i'm focused on the players and you know players have some players have you know what would widely be considered guaranteed contracts or or if they're not base salaries like what happens to that is it told? Does it? You know, do they get paid a portion? How will that play out? And for players that you know that have guaranteed contracts, I would say they're guaranteed for getting cut. They're getting guaranteed for injury. They're guaranteed for you know salary cap reasons. But there's no language in these contracts that specifies whether they're guaranteed uh, if the season's canceled due to a pandemic. There's nothing. So you know, it's um, a guaranteed contract is not guaranteed for this, this type of reason. So these are going to be issues that, you know, we may have to face. And, of course, I'm just trying yep, to yep. stick my head in the sand and say, well, hopefully <laughs> hopefully, it'll never right. happen and we won't have yeah. to deal with it. Uh, and, and, oh, by the way, as agents, if the players don't get paid, we don't get paid. So <laughs> all, all the more reason, just get this thing going. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I again, I think at the very minimum you just have games without uh, people in, in the seats. People Probably are going to so. watch. People are going to watch football. There's nothing else to do, and everyone's dying yeah. for it right now. I mean, I mean, people are thirsting for sports to come back. Yeah, agreed. So, agreed. And uh, I think, I think, you'll be I think okay. that's why the NFL sort of, even with free agency in the draft. I mean, you can see that they they still want us. They want it now. Again, safety wasn't an issue with those types of things, um, but clearly, like, there's a push for keeping things as normal as possible, keeping the product of, of the NFL and football in front of in front of the fans and the people that make it successful. So I, I think they're going to do whatever they can to get football going. I mean, just all signs indicate. Absolutely. So uh, before we finish off, man, I, you've been doing this for how many years now have you been in this game? <laughs> You're an old man now. I can't keep up with you. I got, I got registered as an agent in 1997. So 22, which, 23 years, wow. Which ironically wow. is probably older or further ago than most of the guys that I sign yeah. that I'm recruiting in the draft at this point. Yeah, they, they haven't been around for 23 years yet. Yeah. They weren't born when I got registered. <laughs> how yeah. crazy is that? That's got to be Times have changed. Weird. I remember I used to walk into these places, and you will you can relate perfectly. Like, yeah. We were, you know, we were young. We were hip. It was like we were... We were a little cooler than all the uh, all these those older agents that were a little out of touch. Yes, well, absolutely. Now I'm the older out of touch guy. I mean, I think I was like 27 or something, like 26, yeah. 27. Oh, with you. right. I mean, right, right out, right yeah. out of law school, you couldn't yeah. have been more than 27. No, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, times, are, times have changed, but 27. I mean, I Sometimes ignorance is bliss, man. It's it's good to kind of not know what you're doing. 
and not know yeah, not you know who you're up, up against. You can make up for you can make up for the lack of the lack of experience. I mean, you definitely yeah. can. There's ways around it. But I will say, you know, having a track record, it it certainly helps. Oh, I mean, you can sure. always rely on your history and client list, and it it makes things it makes things a little bit easier. I can't I'm not sure how much, but. There's definitely some security with that. I'm sure this is the most fun you're ever having in the in the industry now. Yeah, I mean it's fun. Business yeah. is business is good, and you know, yeah, you don't live or die with one player getting injured or or one player getting hurt, or even if a player were to leave the agency, which happens in our business. Like none of those things, none of those things are they're all ripples in the in the water. They're not they're not big, and you just start to deal with it. And I think that's the best part is that there's nothing there's nothing that happens. A guy falls in the draft and you know, none of these things majorly affect the business. We're we, we get past all those things pretty quick. What I'm excited so, about for you is that when you look at when you look back on some of these agents, just for you personally, for your own career, is that you still haven't hit your peak, which is exciting because um, there's guys that have been doing it that are well into their fifties and sixties that are like at the top of the game. And yeah, uh, you know, I see that that's where you're where you're headed. You're totally right. You're totally right. Yeah, I think that's. I think there was always a feeling when you're younger that you know, God, you know, this is this is my time to really set this up. But right, mm-hmm. I'm in my mid 40s, and I'm like, it, it feels like it feels like we're we're just starting to hit hit our prime. Absolutely. You know, you're not, Ten years at least now. That, yeah, it's yeah. a business you can stay in and be successful in for for a while. Absolutely, right. brother. Uh, Young Money Appa, check them out online. Um, I assume. What what is the website? It's youngmoneyappa, A-P-A-A.com. Okay, youngmoneyappa.com. And uh, how many agents are you working with now? We have uh, we have the same six agents. Same ones, okay. We, um, you know, when we, when we headed over from players' rep, so nothing has changed in that regard. Great, um, great. Kept our core and, yeah, just, you know, a lot more people working at the business on different aspects of the business, and, and that's nice to have, to be honest. It yeah. takes a lot of stuff off my plate, but... Um, yeah, we do the same thing. We do the same thing as agents. Our job has not changed. The real life Jerry Maguire, everybody. Real Andy life. Sims. Hey, bro. Thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate the updates and uh, best of luck, best of continued success with everything. My man, always good to talk to you, buddy. Thank All you. All right, brother. Talk soon. Take care.